morning. See? Like if I wasn't even here. There you go, right? Magic, baby, magic. Again, good morning. Good morning. All right. Open up your Bibles with me to Acts 17. All right? We're walking through the text, getting to know what the Scripture teaches. In case you're not familiar with that, we like to, at here at Long Grove, be expository in our message, meaning we're going to teach you what the text says. This is not my opinion. This is me and Pastor Dell and anyone who ever stands here exegeting the text and getting from the text the principles of the text so that we know how to live and do life together. All right? But Acts 17 is real simple because it is Paul's second missionary journey. Remember, he was last week, he was in Thessalonica, and then he got kicked out of there and went to Berea. And now... <laughs> He got kicked out of Berea, you know? And he happens to make his way to a town called Athens. You guys know this place because it is the birthplace where Socrates and Aristotle came to know it, right? It is the place of the goddess Athena and other places like that. And people still, after thousands of years, love to go to Athens and see all the places. It is one of the most famous places in scripture because it's a place where the Aerogapagus is there. And in the Latin, we know it as Mars Hill, the Roman way, all right? So we're going to talk about that and see what God is doing. But the title of today's message is Christ Among the Gods, right? This is very popular today because I'll say it like this, and I believe it to be true, and we have evidence for it. America is becoming less and less Christian, but it is not becoming less and less spiritual. You understand what I'm saying? We as a community, as a nation, we are very religious. I passed, I don't know how many churches coming over here. I passed synagogues, mosques, churches, Starbucks, bowling alleys, right? But everybody was gathering to worship. If you don't believe they worship at Starbucks or bowling alleys, they worship on baseball fields. Anybody who's ever had a, like my son, uh, a kid that plays in travel, any kind of travel sport, that's God. And I'll, I'll admit it too. Yeah they, yeah, they worship in between those white lines. See, he knows, right? At the bowling alley, you worship. The problem is everybody's worshiping. Everybody's believing in something or nothing. But we are a nation that believes. The problem is it is often the God of our own imagination. Let me, let me, be, let, let me see if I could go here. How many people with kids? All right, you're a parent, raise your hand, right? It is our duty and our obligation when God blesses us with children to teach them up in the fear and ammunition of God so that one day they might walk themselves and know him. Amen? Help me preach this morning. Come on, don't stay silent. You know, there you go. All right? All right? I come from a bit different background church, so this is a participatory event, okay? I say something, you agree, you say... If you disagree, you say, there you go. See, you're training, you're learning, right? 
right? Yeah, see? Yeah, I mean, if it convicts you <laughs> and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you <laughs> and you can't say amen, what did we say? There you go. See? Very good. True or not true? We want to teach our children to walk in the fear of God, to know him one day, so they might call him Lord themselves. Because there are no grandchildren in heaven. There's only children. My son, I have five children. Joshua, Jeremiah, Annalisa, Josiah, and Sophia. You only have seen Josiah and Sophia. My oldest one are 29, 28, 23. Pray for them. Because we train them. They know who God is. But yet they are discovering other things. And as much as I would love to drag them by the ear and say, come here, boy, sit down in the front row. I can't do that. Because we have a God that created us, and we have this thing called free will. Right? You want to love somebody. You want somebody to love you because they want to. Amen? Not because you push a button. Love you. I'll serve you. I'll, you know, whatever. That's not how, how this works. God wants us to be in relationship with him, but it has to be of our own free accord. You want your children to want to, want to serve God and walk with him, but it has to be of their own accord. They have to choose. The only thing we have to do is God hopefully demonstrate Christ to them because kids are not, and this is not the sermon, sorry, forgive me. This is just the introduction. Kids watch. They learn by what you do, not what you say. And by the way, that's an ouch right there. Ouch, right? Ouch. Ow. Because we haven't always done it perfectly, right? Right? Yeah, okay. See, come on. I tell you. Talk with me this morning. Paul is coming to Athens and it is filled with idols. They are worshiping crazy. Some scholars said that there was more gods than people in Athens. Some say up to 30,000, 30,000 idols in this, in this. I mean, it was, I mean, you couldn't walk a step and hit a god. But this was the idea. This is, you know, pantheism. Multiple gods, multiple beings. And scripture doesn't deny this if you go back to Genesis 6. In Psalm 82, there are other things that we would possibly call, some, we call them demons and angels. They call them gods. Why? Because if you saw something supernatural, what would you call it? Right? And they take the worship away from the true living God and worship from themselves. Here's the context, and Christ walks into this. Paul walks into this, and he's like, okay, how do I show these people the one true God? Because this is what we're going to learn today. When we walk out and we go and we leave these doors, you are now entering the mission field. And it does not like you. It is hostile to you and what you believe and how you live. This world is not our friend. Remember, we are in it, but not of it. We're here temporarily, okay? This is vacation, okay? But God is preparing a home for us. That's what we're getting ready for. So let's get ready because we want to say, okay, how do we share Christ amongst gods? Because there are a plethora of gods out there. 
Okay? Starbucks is a God. Bowling is a God. For a lot of people, family is a God. For some people, even church is God. It's not Christ, but it's church. Oh, I come and I'm in church all the time and I do this and I do this and I do this. But at what sacrifice? We'd love you to serve. Do we want you to sacrifice your family in order to serve God? That would be idolatry. You weren't prepared for that, right? <laughs> yeah. In fact, segue. If we get to do what we need you to do, your total commitment and everything of loving, living, giving, and going will take about eight hours, maybe a week. You know what the average person watches TV and goes like this on TikTok? You know how many hours a day? Anybody want to guess? Almost 10 hours a day. The latest data. Years ago, it was six hours watching TV. Now with the invention of TikTok and this little thing called a cell phone, you are constantly, your eyes are like this. Don't you ever see people walking like this? They're walking like this, you know? And then they hit the pole, bang! I laugh. That is the best part right there. When they hit the pole, ding! They got some videos too, and they go ding! And then they, you hear the Catholic thing, in the nombre de Padre Espíritu Santo. It's, oh, I laugh. It's hilarious. But their eyes are occupied, they're focused on what? Other things. Paul comes in, he goes, hey, 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 let me show you what's going on here, right? So we're going to learn five principles. These are the things that I have used for years over now almost 30 years of doing this, okay? And it works. But I'm going to prove it to you from Scripture. Amen? So open up your Bibles to chapter 17, beginning in verse 16. Let's walk through the text, and we're going to learn five principles about sharing the gospel. If you want to take notes, I'm sorry, I wanted to have a handout for you, but honestly, I've never had so much spiritual attack this week as we had it this week. So I could give this to you later if you want it, but if you find it, I would say even open up your Bible on the inside somewhere, like right here up here in front, and write down these five things I'm going to teach you right now because you're going to do them every day, especially when you walk out there. So number one, number one, point one, love, love should move you into their world. Love, okay? Verse 16, his spirit was provoked within him, okay? His spirit was provoked in him, beginning in verse 16, it's the same word that God used in the Old Testament when the nation of Israel was provoked, when they provoked God by going after false gods that were not gods. God was grieved. He's like, hey, why are you playing with them when I'm right here? And God in his righteousness, and he can, was jealous, okay? And said, hey, no, 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 you don't play with that. You don't play with them. He was offended. He was, in the word, I love this word, um, because it reminds me of the, that movie, uh, Gladiator. Remember the king, the Roman Caesar? When he's talking, he goes, oh, my spirit is vexed. I go, that's a fancy word, vexed. How many people are vexed sometimes, right? Yeah, trust me, if you got children, you're vexed, okay? All right? And you're like, oh, I'm going to choke you in the name of Jesus. No. Um, 
But you get provoked to anger. Why? And it's found. It's, it's a righteous anger throughout the whole Old Testament. You see God doing it. All. It happens to God over and over again. Deuteronomy 4.25, 9.18, 32.16. Over and over. I could have named a hundred verses here. I just picked three. Okay? Why? Because Israel was stepping out on God. You know what I mean. They were going after false gods. And it was God's righteous anger that was set ablaze. In Romans 9.13, it looks like this. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears witness with my witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. This is Paul talking about Israel. He's like, man, come on, Israel. Remember? Because he keeps going to the synagogue, right? Every, like, I got to tell my people about Jesus. Why? Because they're doing the wrong thing. They're going after the wrong people, the wrong gods. That's not God. Christ is God. And he's feeling that anguish. And he goes, and look at verse 3. This is what Paul says. For I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brother, my kinsman, according to the flesh. He's like, hey, I wish I was lost and on my way to hell if that meant that all of you, my people, my countrymen, would turn to Christ. Is that not love? Isn't that what Christ did on the cross? Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die for you so that you can be saved. Paul said, hey, I'm, I'm willing to be away from God, sent to hell, if that means all of my people come to know Jesus. <laughs> That's a great picture of love, right? <laughs> Look at what Acts 13 says on the next Sabbath. The whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when they saw, when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. Remember these guys, the antagonizers? We've been hearing about them over these last couple of weeks. And they began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, If it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you, since you, since you listen, he says, since you thrust it aside, and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are now turning to the Gentiles, for the Lord has commanded us, saying, go share the gospel with them. Christ, God chose Israel to be the light to the world. This is why he called Abraham. Hey, Abraham, I'm going to choose you, and through you, you're going to be a blessing to all the world. And there's this one nation called Israel, which is coming from you, and they're going to be the light into the world. But yet, what do they do? They turned away. He goes, okay, cool. Now I got my church. And they're not made simply of Jews. There's Gentiles there too. Praise God. Amen? <laughs> That's all of us in case you haven't noticed. That's you. If you're not Jewish, and I know we have my, our Jewish brothers here too, because now, look at we are one family. We are one church. Right? But love, that's what love does. If I love God and I love lost people, I have to step into their world, into their mess. That's my favorite way. Hey, how are you stepping into their mess? Because that's what love does. Love doesn't say, oh, I love you from afar. But you might see that person on that corner who's struggling or hurting or hungry or on drugs or in prostitution or gangbanging. I don't care. Or white-collar crimes, you know. Whatever it is, they're far from Jesus. And the only way they're going to know Jesus is unless you step into their world. You have to become their Christ. You have to be their gospel that they read and see every day. You know, 
They need to know the gospel of Tom and the gospel of Mary and the gospel of John and Josiah and Angela. Why? Because you become that living testimony of them. But they will never see it unless you're willing to go. You have to go. You have to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. It wasn't hate that provoked the spirit of God in Paul. It was love. Love sometimes becomes jealous, especially at the right time, doesn't it? When God sees his creation turning to false gods, he got mad. He got mad. God not only becomes jealous, he becomes provoked. We're, we're not called. Remember this? Are we called to grieve the spirit? No. In fact, we're commanded. Do not grieve the spirit. Do not provoke the spirit of God. Because if you do, in the name of Tweety Bird, you get in trouble, okay? You're going to be, that's bad theology. Do not do that. It was watchful. He watched his creation fall and follow these false gods into internal separation. Love is the motivation for the anger. When, we, when you love as God loves and you see creation acting wrong, you get grieved, don't you? I do. And I see people doing, eh, like, no, don't do that, please. And it's just not my kids, but my church, you. The privilege we have as pastors here, Pastor Dell and myself, is that we know you, we love you, we shepherd you. Meaning, I, I know what's going on in your life because you have told me. And that is a sacred trust that we hope. But when you intentionally do the wrong thing, I can say for all of us, we're like, no, don't, don't, don't do that, don't do that, please don't, don't, don't. And we're grieved. That's why we, you see it on the wall now. This is what we're living by. Those four values and those house rules are going to keep us safe. This is how we're going to do life together so that we do not grieve the Holy Spirit and we do not sin against our brother and sister in Christ. Paul was grieved when he saw the false worship. This should have only be given to God, now it's been given to idols. Why? Because he was provoked. Why? Because he loved and it hurt him. So love moves you into somebody else's mess. You got to move into their world. Christ left heaven to come where? Here. Why? Because God is love. You got to get that in your head. Do I love like Christ? And if I love like Christ, I got to be willing to step into somebody else's mess. Number two, here's what I want you to do. They all begin with L, so you can learn it real fast. Number two, learn by asking questions, verses 17 through 20. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and devout persons, right? This is, this is uh, Paul's MO. He does this all the time. Goes into the marketplace <clears throat> every day with them. And some, verse 18, and some of the Epicureans and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection in 19. And they took him and brought him to the Aragopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. Verse 20, for you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what this means. So he reasoned. Remember, we talked about this last week. He's reasoning. He's talking. They're, in a sense, we get that Greek word dialoguing, right? They're dialoguing together. They're talking. They're listening. And they're having a conversation. This is what it comes, it's doing. And again, he goes into the synagogue and into the marketplace. He was the first corporate chaplain. He's like, hey, I'm going to go. 
where they're working. The Eupicureans and the Stoics belong to two Greek schools of philosophy, very popular in the common pe people because they taught how to achieve pleasure and happiness despite one's circumstances. The Epicureans, listen to this, the Epicureans believed everything in the world was made up of atoms and everything that was governed by physical laws. The best way to achieve happiness and pleasure, therefore, was to submit to these laws of nature, live simply and virtuously without burdening oneself with worldly cares and do everything to avoid physical pain. These were the Epicureans. They were, in one sense, they were just simple materialists. Oh, everything is governed, it's physical, and the highest goal is pleasure. Okay? If it looks good, feels good, right? Is good, what do you do? You do it. That was them. These were the Epicureans. They figured that gods did exist somewhere far away, and religion wasn't important. There was practical search for happiness, okay? Unlike the Stoics, here are the Stoics, on the other hand, believed that God was everywhere, in nature and in the universe, in man, and therefore to live in harmony with the universe, one should strive toward godly perfection of character and submission to the divine will. It's funny, they say the divine will, but yet they believe that God was far from them. It was like we hear it today because some of, you've ever heard this term deism? Yeah, here it comes from. Hey, God is far away, but not close, but yet we worship him. Unlike Christ, right? Christ is not far from us. Christ is in us, right, through the Holy Spirit. We know Christ through relationship. The Stoics know. And they followed all these rules, trying to be virtuous, because they thought that would give them to heaven. Your Bacurians, materialists, hey, let's have fun. For tomorrow we die, the Stoics, hey, got to be virtuous, okay? The question is, why? Why are you going to be virtuous if you don't even know who God is? You can't even get close to him, right? You think those good works are going to save you? Let me ask you, do good works save? Say it again, church. Do good works save? No. no. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9, for it is by grace that you have been saved, all right? Not by works, so that no one can brag. Look at me. Look at me. I go to church every Sunday. I tithe. Big deal. Do you know Jesus? Because unless you're born again, that's just good works. I'm sorry. That's not an amen. That's a... See, see what's coming? Paul walks into this and he says, hey. He gets taken to the Aragopagus. The Aragopagus is a hilltop where philosophers would debate, but it's also where the city officials would hold trials for murder and crimes against public order. Legend says that the trial, the first trial against Ares for the murder of Poseidon's son, okay, was, that's why they called it Areopagus. Okay, it was the Greek name for, for Ares Hill. When the Romans conquered it, they called it after their Roman god, okay, right? Mars, now Mars Hill. Not the candy, but I think it is like the candy, okay? Mars, okay? 
And this is where he's standing now. Paul is in front of the guys who make the big decisions. And he's taking advantage of it. He's standing and saying, oh, these are the guys, you know? So the charge of introducing four gods is serious, right? Because they had these tons of gods. Now here comes Paul preaching Christ to them. And this is serious. Let me show you why. Socrates, I don't know if you knew this. I didn't know this until I was researching. Socrates was executed. Socrates was executed on the grounds that he rejected the gods who were the guardians of the state and introduced what? New deities. Paul is brought forth before the Areopagus, which he prefers, um, it's not to a, it's a, refers to a location, but the high court, okay? And they took him there. Hey, we want to hear what you're saying, but they brought him there and against, hey, you're going to stand trial. We, this is, what? What are you saying? What? What? And they bring him. Let me ask you a question. If you've ever read the book, Revelation, what's going to happen to us when we preach Christ? Don't you think we're going to be brought before courts? Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Still want to join the church? Still want to say, hey, that's a great message. I want to be a member now. That means I'm going to be crucified later? Possibly. Would you go and tell people about them? Because they're lost, okay? This is where he's going, all right? This is what's happening. Number three. Number three. Listen to understand, not to reply to the person. This especially applies to all you people who are married. Ready? Put it in that context and you'll, you'll be really good. Verse 21. Not all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time um, with nothing except hearing and telling stories. All the Athenians, that's all they would do. Telling and hearing stories. Hey, tell me what you believe. Oh, tell me what you believe. Oh, that's cool. I want to learn more. You know? Remember the joke? I don't know. They joked around this, right? People get degrees in philosophy, right? Hence, did you hear? And then the other people joke around. That's great. You got a degree in philosophy? Yeah, what do you do with it? Nothing. I, I, I have deep thoughts while I stand in the unemployment line. That's the joke. I didn't say it. Somebody else said it. I'm just quoting here because it fits the illustration. All right? Sorry. Right? But when you're listening here, let, let me teach you three things when it's listening. Remember, your, your goal is to listen to understand somebody, not to reply. And I, you know, I see it all the time. People are talking, and then you, you cut off because you want to give something, and then you cut off somebody because you want to say something, and you're not really listening. Listen. Remember? Two of these, only one of these. Why? Because we're called to listen more. So here's, here's who you listen to. Number one, listen to the person speaking. Really listen to them. Not just with your ears, but with your heart, your mind. Okay? And with the Spirit of God in you, listen. I mean, would you, hey, pastor, I need to talk to you. There's a joke, right? There's a joke. Oh, let's talk to the pastor. Right? He's like Mikey, you know? He knows everything. No, he don't. But he, you, you think. And then you talk to the pastor, and the pastor goes, mmm. 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 Mm. Is he listening? No. He's just being polite, <laughs> you know? There's a joke. There was a, there was a comic book strip, right, where the lady was at church and the pastor's in the office, and you could hear the voice coming through the phone, blah, 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 blah. And there was a tape recorder next to the phone, and it was going, mm. 
And the, and the pastor was over here at the filing cabinet, like doing stuff, and the phone is listening. That's sad, but it's true. Point is, not that the pastor doesn't listen, is that sometimes we don't listen. We really don't listen to people. And that's the sad part. You know, we come into church, hey, good morning, good morning. How you feeling? Right? One of you, one day, just when the ushers greet you, okay, and they say, good morning, good morning, how you feeling? Just say to them, do you really want to know? And he's going to go, no, I'm just trying to be polite. <laughs> See? I'm only kidding. That's a bad joke, but try it one day, right? Try it. Are you really listening? Couples, when you talk to each other, are you really listening? Friends, are you really listening? Brothers and sisters Christ, do you really listen? I'm not just talking about hearing me. Are you listening? Second, thing you, second person you listen to, you listen to the Holy Spirit, who is part of every conversation that you have about Christ because it is the goal of the Holy Spirit to glorify God, to point the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is like to bring a, sp- a, sp- uh, a spotlight on Jesus. He's like, hey, he's right there. Look at him, look at him, look at him. Right? Look at him. He's amazing. This is the Savior. It's the Holy Spirit's job. Don't look at me. Look at him. And what I discovered in sharing the gospel, when I share the gospel with people, even though I might be talking to Tom right here, the Holy Spirit is also right here. And I have to put this ear on Tom and listen really well, but I have to put this ear on the Holy Spirit and be like, what, are, what do I say to him now? Oh, okay. Hey, Tom. <laughs> so you have a, there's always three people in the conversation. Did you ever even think about that? Honestly, ever think about that? That the Holy Spirit is part of the conversation and you have to listen so that you know what to say and what not to say. Because there's this real thing, you're like, oh, okay, you say something stupid and you just inserted your foot in your mouth because you were trying to be very spiritual because you weren't listening. Oh, I got, I got to say this. I got a Bible verse for them. No, they don't need a Bible verse. You know what they need? They need a friend. Listen. Listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And then third, listen to the Holy Spirit in you. You need to listen to the inner voice that dwells within you. You have the Holy Spirit. So you have all this great wisdom and knowledge available to you, but are you listening? Are you listening to the Holy Spirit inside of you? In the wisdom he's giving you, in the experiences he's giving you, so that at the appropriate time, in the right way, with gentleness and kindness, you could say the right thing. But most of the time, you just have to shut up. Forgive me for saying it like that. And just listen. Don't speak. My job is a chaplain. People get amazed. Oh, chaplain, we love you. We love you. And you know what I do? I don't say anything. In fact, this afternoon, I'm going to go to a funeral. I'm going to conduct a funeral in about three hours, four hours in Chicago. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to shut up and listen. I'm going to say a lot. But I'm going to try to be the hands and feet of Christ so they go, wow. He listened to me. He heard my pain. He watched me. And that's what you do. You listen to understand, not to reply. Okay? Number four. And we're finishing. Oh. Oh, I still got 10 minutes. I can do this. Okay? Number four. Look around and see their world. Verses 22 to 24. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are what? Religious. For I passed along and observed, there it goes, and objects 
of your worship. And I found an, and check this out, I also found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. So what you worship in ignorance, ignorante, I'm going to proclaim to you, right? I perceive that in every way you are religious. The only way you can perceive something is if you're able to see it and understand it. And when you are talking and you walk into your business world, your school, and you see your friends and your family, watch them. Because they're going to show you what they worship and what they believe by their actions. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You could just listen to, you could get everybody's theology if you just be quiet and ask them a good question. Hey, so how are you doing today? What's going on? Just ask these very simple questions. And they'll tell you, they'll confess everything. It's funny, people, when they find out that I'm a chaplain, <laughs> it's like automatic. They want to tell me stuff. I'm like, I don't want to hear it now. But they're like, but we need to tell you. I'm like, no, go to Jesus. He's the one that can forgive you. I'm nobody. But let me tell you, chaplain. Okay, what's going on? Tell me. And I listen. And I see and I ask good questions. And that's what you need to do. Just don't, just don't, beyond going listening, look around to them. Ask them. You know, if I'm talking to you and I'm like this the whole time, what am I saying? I don't want to listen. I'm closed off. I'm polite. I'm, I'm hearing you. I'm not listening. But you're not picking it up because you're not watching what I'm doing. You know, if I'm, if I'm like this to you, another thing, right? If I look up, I look down, I look at you, and then I look up, and I'm like, man, he ain't listening. But if you're not watching, if you're not looking, you're not picking it up, okay? And you're going to keep babbling and saying stuff, and it's just going right over their head. And you're wasting your time. You have to look. The world is full of clues. People take time. They'll tell you what they believe. They'll show you what's going on. Ask the Lord in prayer, what do I really need to see right now, God? Show me what this person is going through so that I might speak grace into their life. But you have to be willing to look at them. Especially, hey, let me say it like this, even when we're from different cultures, right? Because God made us all beautiful, but we're all different. It's okay, okay? Some of us are even from the city and the suburbs and the rural areas. Do you see that? Do you understand that? You have to, okay? All right? Some of us have been through some hard things. Some of us have had it pretty good. Do you see that? You have to look at that and understand that and put that into your picture and go, okay, now how does Christ fit in this? So look, really see me. I love the movie, um, remember with the purple people or the blue people, Avatar, right? Avatar. What was their favorite saying in the movie? I see you. It was their greeting, I see you, and then they would bump heads together, right? It was their way of saying, hey, I love you, I missed you, I see you. Do you really see people? Especially when they're not part of the church. Maybe they're lost somewhere else. Do you see them? Because their God made them. God loves them. God died for them, too, also, right? God died for them, right? No, not just for me, because I'm special. No, for them, too. Do you see them? Because if you see them, you got to go to them, all right? So look. 
Here's the last one. Here's the last principle and the most important one. Lead them to Christ. Don't lead them to, to Long Grove. Okay? Don't lead them to the church. The church doesn't save. Lead them to Christ. He's the only one that saves. saves. Amen? Amen? That's what you have to do. Introduce them to Jesus, the Savior of the world, not to Long Grove Community Church. Okay? We're good. And I want, you know, I want us to be blessed and big or whatever. But the church doesn't save. You coming into this building doesn't make you holy. Coming to Christ and bowing at his knees, that will separate you. That will make you holy. Okay? You got to lead them to Christ. Here we go. Verse 24. He says this. What therefore you worship as unknown, this is what I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives all mankind life and breath and everything. He made from one man every nation and, and mankind to live on the earth and face on, on the face of the earth. And he had determined allotted the periods and the boundaries of the dwelling places that we should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, yet is actually not far from each one of us. Now Paul breaks out and he's going to juxtapose their belief in God's, their pantheism. Oh, we believe that we have to, we make an idol and then we bring sacrifice to that idol and we pray to that idol and everything is, you know, we're doing this so that God, that God will reciprocate and bless us. And, and Paul goes, um, do you really think the God of the universe is contained in a box? You think a statue that it was made by your hands made you? See what he's doing? He's, he's finding common ground, but he's looking for a way to juxtapose their belief versus the belief of Yahweh, Jesus. Hey, here's what the God of Israel is versus your gods. He's smart, right? He's comparing their two theologies. He's doing, hey, what do you believe? Tell me what you believe. Oh, do you, you really believe that God comes in a box? Like Burger King, remember that little thing we used to wind up and it would, boop, there we go, answer prayer. No, God is, you cannot contain God, right? Verse 28, for in him we, we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. This is from a poem from a poet named Arat, Aratus, okay? And Aratus actually came from the same town as Paul in Tarsus. So he knows that. He uses that. And he says, hey, you guys, you've heard of it. Oh, yeah, we know that poet. Yeah. Even, you know what he said? He said this. Oh, that's true. Well, that truth is pointing to Christ. Because your little God ain't going to do it. Only Christ can do it. He said, being, the, being then God's offspring, we ought to not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man, right? The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, okay? Because he has fixed the day in which he will judge the righteous by the man whom he appointed and is by giving the assurance by raising him from the dead. He goes, hey, you guys need to turn around. All this wicked stuff that you're doing, 
you need to repent. And they knew that word, but that was, the, hey, that's a Hebrew thing. He goes, no, that's a humankind thing. Because the issue is sin. You all need to repent too. Because this one guy we've heard about, and I'm telling you, that's the judge. That's the one you're going to stand before, this Christ. And how do I know? Because he raised him from the dead. That's the one who's going to stand. So you could either be, I think it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bema seat, or you could be in this throne, the great white throne, um, the great white throne judgment. Don't be in that line. You want to be in this line. Because guess what's going to happen? You're going to be judged. And this is what happened. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead and some mocked by others saying, we will hear you again of this. So Paul went out from their midst. But listen, he goes, okay, cool. I'll share with you again. But some men joined him and believed. Here's that word again. Among them was a guy named Dionysus, an Aeropagite, and a woman named Damaris and others with him. So he was successful, and yet he failed too. That's not the point. The point is we still have to go, and we need to know how to share God amongst the gods because it is going to happen. We're going to train you. Come in January, we're going to give you a whole workshop on how you do this. We're going to prepare you so when you go, you know how to share the gospel effectively with grace and compassion. But let me ask you, is love your motivation? Okay? The goal is to learn who your friends and neighbors are by asking questions. Listen to understand, not to reply. Look, do you really see what they're going through? Where you could be the hands and feet of Christ. And when you've done all this, this is what I call the cultivation of the heart, the breaking of the ground, so that the word of God could go in and go in deep. Then you lead them to Jesus. Don't try to do leading before you've cultivated the ground. You can't. You got to do all this first. This is why we're asking you to be a blessing. This is why we're going to begin everything with prayer. You're going to see what's going to happen and what's coming. Prayer is going to be the number one thing because we cannot share the gospel without the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We're going to learn who these people are. We're going to look at them. We're going to listen to them, okay? All right? So that's how we're going to be our L. Begin with prayer. Listen, look, learn, and then eventually lead. Okay? We're going to eat a meal with them. Okay? And I'm not paying for it. You are. Okay? You take them to McDonald's. You take them away. Just sit down and share a meal with them. Do something else. Serve them. Let your hands and your feet. Right? So that way they see the gospel as you. They go, wow. I saw Jesus through my friend Mike when he came over and helped me clean the yard. I saw, my, I saw the gospel through Susan when she came over and she made me a meal when I was sick. You do all of this so that eventually you could share the gospel. You could tell them about Jesus. And again, don't lead them to the church. Lead them to Christ. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. We want to praise you. We want to give you all the glory and honor. We thank you that Paul gives us an example of how we do this. 
how we should do this. Lord, prepare your people because we're about to cross the Jordan into a new land. We want to take it for your glory and for your honor. There are 600,000 souls within 20 minutes of this church that need to hear of the good news of Christ. God, prepare us to go into that good land that you've called us. This is why you planted this church here. We're not here for decoration here. We're here so that we could love you and love others. So that we could live life in relationship. So that we could give it away no matter what it is, God. And we could go to the lost. This is what you called us to do. These are the values we want to live by. This is how we want to be a church. So God, empower us by the power of your Holy Spirit to be these things, to be these men and women who love you and love others by going to them, by entering their world, no matter how hard or ugly it might be. God, go before us and help us. In the name of Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. Would you stand with me and worship?